0: And to my heart and your heart was the blood applied. If you're saved and you're born again and you know Jesus, if you know Jesus this morning, say amen. Amen. It's a wonderful day in the Lord, isn't it? As we start a new year, and you know I start a new year, Tennessee won their bowl game. My goodness, what a great year it started out to be. We don't get ESPN. I couldn't even watch the game, but I got up the next morning and found out they had won in the fourth quarter with four minutes left, scored two touchdowns to win the game. And I whoa, I, was, I told my wife, I said, this is going to be a really great day. <laughs> well, I hope you're having a good new year and you've made some definite commitments. We all do, right? It's a new year. Start all over. We can lose that weight. We said we are going to lose last year and the year before. Uh, We can do a lot, commit to do a lot of things, but I hope whatever you commit to, you have a plan to be able to execute and do what you need to do. Make some spiritual goals. I always am amazed at Christians who make all kinds of goals in their life financially and every other way, And forget to make spiritual goals in their lives. Okay, so before we get started, this is kind of a sermonette. Make spiritual goals in your life. Pray more. I'm going to commit to pray an hour a day or two hours a day. Or I'm going to commit to read my Bible through. Some kind of spiritual commitment uh, in your life. I think every Christian everywhere ought to do that each year. And I'm certainly making my list and uh, going to figure out how I'm going to do it. So let's do that in the Lord. And let's start off the year by saying this. Uh, God is good. All and all the time. Let me try it again. God is good. All the time. All the time. God is good. There you go. You got it. So let's just start off that year. We're gonna, I'm going to ask everybody in just a moment to stand, and I want you to pray about your year in the Lord. This is the year of the Lord, 2020, and to pray about what God would have you to do this year. In the process of that prayer, I want you to remember a couple of men this morning from North Kannapolis, Baptist. One is First Lieutenant Jared O'Gwyn. And the other one is uh, Major Andrew Delaney, a couple of men from our church who are there in Iraq. Of course, one of them is my son. And uh, please pray you know what's been going on over there. 82nd Airborne troops are headed over, 800 of them and 4,000 to follow. So, you know, he just seems to be in the wrong place at the wrong time right now. So we're praying about that situation. And I appreciate your prayers for them as well. And all the tr- soldiers over there serving, please keep them in prayer. Okay, let's stand and let's pray about this coming year. And, and you open your heart up this morning to what God would have you to do about spiritual decisions and goals in your life. Let's pray. Lord, we have come here this morning with open minds and hearts to worship you. We've come here collectively to say, Lord, we're yours. We belong to you. You've redeemed us with your blood. You've blessed us with your Holy Spirit. And, Lord, you've given us gifts that we could use for you. And I pray, Lord, as this congregation is praying, I'm praying that hearts and minds will be open to making commitments to you this morning about what they're going to do for you, about how they're going to draw closer to you, and Lord, how they're committing themselves to Christ this year. Lord, we give you thanks for all that you've done in the previous year, the amazing things we've seen. We do pray, lastly, for our soldiers from our country in uniform across the world who may be in harm's way today, and pray for their deliverance by your hand. Lord, we thank you today. We praise you in the blessed and holy name of Jesus Amen. You may be seated. It is a new year. We can make decisions about the future with a new beginning. But let's look at what the Bible says about making decisions. The Bible warns us. Actually, more warning about making decisions... Than anything else, right in the middle of your Bible, it's almost the direct center, is the verse in Proverbs 14, if you want to turn and follow along. Proverbs 14 is where we will start this morning, not Matthew 7. I know that kind of misleads you, but, I, but Teresa asked me to give her a verse to go with the sermon ahead of time, and at that time I haven't fully developed my sermon three weeks ahead of time. And so sometimes we, you know, get a verse in there. It's going to be in here, but it's not going to be here at this point. So you're probably wondering, why is that in there? That's why. Proverbs 14, 12, and this is a very sobering scripture. There is a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. That is a sobering scripture. And it tells us something, folks, that's very clear, and that is that we can make decisions and they will lead us right down the path to destruction. It's a sobering scripture. There's a way that seems right. It seemed like the right thing to do, Pastor. It seemed like the right thing to do. But at the end of it was disaster. And so that tells us that we need to back up on this thing of decision-making and really make sure when we make a decision, it's the right decision. Because it can end in a very negative way. The word way here means road. It's like a road. The way are the ways of death, the roads of death. And But we justify when we make a decision sometimes you know, and I, hey, I'm a man. I've done it. You know, I just had to have that new rifle. You know, my wife. Some of you might say, "Well, honey, I just had to have that new bass boat." You know, uh, we will justify our decisions. And if my wife asks me, "Why did you have to have that new gun?" Well, uh, you know, you know. Sometimes we we know in our hearts we just wanted it, right? And we justify it that way. How how can that be? Well, we read the book of Hebrews last week. We were there. And what did it talk about? The deceitfulness of sin. Did y'all catch that last week in in Hebrews 3? We were talking about the children of Israel. The deceitfulness of sin. Did you catch that? that? Listen, sin is deceitful. It sneaks up on you. It takes over you without you realizing it I mean a lot of times if we knew it was sin we wouldn't do it but we kind of get roped in and then we say and we're all that way and we say how did I get here how did I ever get here and you know I have through the years in the ministry of a pastorate for 45 years I run across that people would say pastor I don't know how I got here that they're in a, in a quagmire, or they're in a bad situation, and they would say to me, I don't know how I got here. But if you traced it all the way back, it came to a decision. At some point in time, that they made. But toward the end, they just said, you know, I, how did my life ever get here? I mean, they're just... At a loss, but it started I guarantee you with a decision and we have to be very careful about our decision not only is there the deceitfulness of sin, are you aware that your heart might not lead you in the right direction? <coughs> look at uh, Matthew 1518 and 19 Matthew 1518 and 19 but those things which proceed out of the mouth come forth from the heart they defile the man. For out of the heart, listen to this, out of your own heart proceeds evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornication, thefts, false witnesses, blasphemies. These are the things that defile a man. In Jeremiah 17:9, it says this the heart is deceitful above all things, and desperately wicked. Who can know it? So can we trust our own thinking? Can we trust just ourselves? our thinking, our heart, in making decisions. I don't think so. Not as a Christian. I think at some point, and I'm not saying, listen, this sermon is not saying you can't use human logic, you can't use wise counsel and knowledgeable things to make decisions. I'm just saying that has to be peppered with prayer and the leading of the Lord and all of that. In other words, okay, so you've got the right thinking and the wisdom and all that spiritual wisdom, but that still, even so, has to be led of the Spirit. It can look right, but not feel right. Very important. But can't we trust our heart and mind to lead us in the right direction? And and that's a good question. And there's... Really, that, that's out, and probably not, from what we've read. Uh, one thing about going forward in decisions this year is to make sure you don't strictly, strictly rely on your own thinking or feelings, right? Amen. Because there's a way we see with what? Right, unto a man. But the end thereof, the ways of what? Death. Death. Okay? So you have to remember that. <laughs> we must... Seek God. Now, God doesn't hate planning or wisdom or sound thinking, but we should pray. We should seek Him. We we say it all the time. Listen to God, what? Listen to God through prayer and the Word. Now, let me ask you a question. If we're going to buy a house, should we pray about it? If we're going to buy a car, should we pray about it? Have I ever bought a car and not prayed about it? <laughs> Had my wife give me dickens about it? Yeah. Uh, have I done things? you know, a lot of the things I've done without praying, I regretted immediately sometimes. And, you know, we must always seek God when we're going to make a decision. Listen, Billy Graham. Billy Graham, and he was a great man, he said this. He said, I pray. They said, do you pray about the little things? He said, when I'm in a parking lot finding a prayer, I pray God give me the right parking place, or a good parking place. And Billy Graham prayed about his parking place. Should we pray about small things? I would think so. If it's good enough for of Graham, it's good enough for us, right? And yeah, we need to seek God on everything we do. And boy, you know when I, when I heard that, that was one of those awe moments in my life. I said, you know, I've, I've been giving God the big things and forgetting about the little things. And I said maybe I need to start with the little things. And I started, I started finding me some good parking places. Yeah. Now look back in Proverbs. Let's look back in Proverbs here, uh, chapter 16, at some things. And look at this. The two best ways I know are to trust God, His Word, and prayer. That's the two best ways I know in making decisions for God. But look at chapter 16. The preparations of the heart in man and the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. All the ways of man are clean in his own eyes. But the Lord weigheth the spirits. Commit thy works unto the Lord, and thy thoughts shall be established. Commit yourself to the Lord. Lord, I want what you want, and God will give you the right directions. And then in verse 20 through 25, he that handleth the matter wisely shall find good. And whoso trusteth in the Lord, happy is he. If we, when we make our decisions, if we consult the Lord in a matter, we use our wisdom but we follow Him and trust in the Lord, what are we going to be? Happy is He. The wise in heart shall be called prudent, and the sweetness of the lips increaseth learning. Understanding is wellspring of life unto him that hath it. But the instruction of fools is folly. The heart of the wise teacheth his mouth, and addeth learning to his lips. Pleasant are the words of the, uh, as a honeycomb, sweet to the soul, health to the bones. There's a, in the Look here in verse 25. What's it lead up to? There's a way, and here it is repeated again, the second time. There's a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. It points out here simply, God should be in all our decisions. Clearly, if you're wise and you can trust in the Lord, then you're going to be happy. You'll be happy with your decisions, even if maybe other people aren't. Now, I want to give you an illustration of bad decision making. So let's go back to the book of Genesis this morning. And we're going to try to talk a little bit about Lot and Abraham. Okay, I'm going to give you the story. Chapter 13 of Genesis, verses 8 through 12. <laughs> and there was a contention between the flocks and the shepherds of Abraham and the flocks and the shepherds of Lot. So Abraham, being a just man like he is, the kind of man he is, he comes to Lot and he says, and Lot's his nephew, and he says, Lot, we don't want any, there to be any strife between us, so let's work this out. The whole land, verse 9, is before us. You you choose. You can go to the left, over here, go to the right. The land's fertile, beautiful. You choose. Now, when you read this story, I want you to understand something. If Lot had been the kind of person he should have been, he would not have taken that choice. Why? Because Abraham was his senior. Abraham was his uncle. Abraham was the patriarch. And in, in Hebrew culture, everything is based on that. He should have turned around to Abraham and said, Look, I'm your nephew. I can't make that decision. You make that decision, Abraham. But what kind of decision did he make? He looked out and he saw the plain of Jordan towards Sodom. And he said, Oh, that looks great. I'll take that. In other words, he picked what he considered the most fertile plain for himself. In other words, he picked the best for him. Okay, if you're going to do it that way, Abraham, I'm going to show you, I'm going to take the best, and I'm going to leave you with the rest. And that's what he did. He chose selfishly. He chose selfishly. In other words, he knew... That he was giving the poor old uncle the shaft, right? And just, But and there was a city there at the end of that plain called Sodom. And it says that old Lot went over there and pitched his tent towards Sodom. And it says Sodom was full of very evil men, very evil people. Well, you know the rest of the story and when Sodom was destroyed that beautiful fertile plain was also destroyed with it so did he choose wisely did Lot choose wisely no everything about his choice was wrong why because he chose you know, the, the way of a fool is right in his own eyes he chose poorly his entire choice was out of was wrong to begin with and he chooses like a lot of people choose. And by the way, what does this thing in James when we want something and don't get it? We, we ask and we have not. What does what James 4 tell us? It tells us we have not because we just want it lustfully. I want what's good for me, Lord. And the Lord says, it's not about you. That's what the Lord says. You want it so you can consume it upon your life. So it's just something you want, you know. And God said, and that's why I hate this this uh, pray, pray and get a million dollar theology. I hate that theology. The idea, you know, God loves the poor people and made them heirs of the kingdom. Don't throw off on being poor. That's a that that might be a good thing. I grew up poor. It didn't hurt me any. And, you know, uh, but this theology of you can have lustfully what you want, that's not what God intended. And James says, you have not because you ask amiss, that you may consume it upon your lusts. And Lot, oh Lot here, he chose to make the wrong decision. It's an example of us making decisions. What kind of decisions should we make? Well, based on God's word and prayer, pray, and I mean really pray, don't say, and and listen, I've had to go to churches, (laughs) make the decision to go to a church or not go to, I don't think it gets any bigger than that, at least in my life, I can't think of anything bigger than that. And I almost didn't go to North Canapolis. that's a whole story I won't get into, but except God supernaturally directed me there, and He did all the way, just like He brought me here. And it's been good good to be here. But God will do that. God will lead you in a way that you don't expect. You just have to follow Him. Listen, have your ear, your spiritual eyes and ears open, and pray. Make sure your thoughts are not selfish thoughts. Remember that. Remember that when you're seeking direction, is it what you want? Do you, you you know it's what you want and you're praying, Lord, this is what I want. Just bless my decision. I don't think God's in that. You have to say, Lord, is this what you, this is what I want. Is this what you want? And I've had to do that a few times. Is this what you want? Get wise counsel. Proverbs twelve, fifteen, and let's. Look on over there in Proverbs twelve fifteen. We'll read this verse to you because I think it's an important one. to Help you. It says, "The way of the fool is right as his own eyes, but he that hearkens to the to counsel is wise." And then in chapter twenty four six, let me get over there twenty four six. A wise man is strong. Yea, a man of knowledge increases strength. And we can also. Uh, We can also know that it says there, oh, here we go. For by wise counsel thou shalt make thy war, and in multitude of counselors there is safety. Do you see that? Multitude of counselors, there's safety. Find spiritually wise people and ask their opinion. Nothing wrong with that. Let God speak through the people of your church. Rely on God and even providential circumstances. Listen. Listen. I've had to pray about some things and just say, God, if you don't want this to happen, shut it down. Y'all ever pray that one? I went my first Sunday to Milford Hills to preach for an interim, and with the idea I might be there for a long time, and it was one Sunday, and I prayed that prayer. Lord, if this is not meant to be, I was there one Sunday. It wasn't meant to be. God answered that prayer that Sunday. <laughs> it was so strong, I had already got a letter in my pocket telling them that I was only going to preach that one Sunday. And they informed me when I got there, this will be your only Sunday. <laughs> Shortest interim on record. Do you know why I didn't go there? Because God knew I was going to be here. See, God had other ideas. And, I, and I'm saying, Lord, if this isn't meant to be, shut it down, and he shut it down. He shut it down in my heart and their heart. It wasn't meant to be. They had change their mind and decided to call a guy that had preached before. And so, you know, I couldn't help that. And they said, well, we're sad to tell you this will be your last Sunday. over, you in them, so, uh, you know. But there, <laughs> there is a danger, and let's talk about that danger lastly, l- l- making choices again. It's a very, and the Bible talks about it a lot. Look in Matthew 7 here, a story we know a lot about. <clears throat> and really, this whole section of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is speaking, and he's really talking about in methods of twos. There are two kinds of fruit, there are two ways, there are two kinds of foundations, and two houses, everything is in twos. And we look at verse 13, enter ye at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction, and many there be going therein. And straight is the gate, and narrow is the way that leads to life, and few there be that find it. The idea here here is there's two distinct roads of choice, not many. Each has a separate destination, we can identify with that. If you get on a bus going for Nashville, you're going to end up in Nashville. If you get on a bus going to Atlanta, you're going to end up in Atlanta. Now the broad road, what kind of road is the broad road? Appealing. That's why it's the broad road. It's big. It's wide. A lot of people are going that way. Hey, everyone's doing it, right? Everyone's doing it. I'm going with the crowd. Crowd's wrong a lot of times, and the crowd's wrong here. They're going in the broad road, and many, it says, go that way. So it's very appealing. But tell you, let me tell you something about the broad road. And I don't care. You can talk about what the broad road is. It might be somebody offered you a little drug to take and said, ah, oh, come on, it's fun. And you think, you think the first day It's fun. And then you find yourself down the road addicted to drugs. You say, how did it happen? It happened that first day on the broad road. Be careful, young people especially. Be careful. Don't play with poison. You're apt to get poisoned. And the broad road. But it looks so appealing. Everybody's doing it. Come on. But you know the funny thing about the broad road? The broad road gets narrow. It not only gets narrow; it gets rocky, with a lot of hills and curves, and and and. Till finally, as you, the further you travel down that broad road, the worse it gets. To where you get on that road, and it's it's so bad, you say, "How did I ever get on this road?" Because you started at the broad road. But then there's another road over here, the little narrow road. Not many people going that way. It seemed like all the people that go that way, you know, Christians and the Bible, love the Bible and love Jesus. and It looks kind of narrow to me. They look kind of narrow, don't they? They believe Jesus is the only way. Kind of narrow. And after all, all the people on the broad road can't be wrong. Well, guess what? They are. Straight is the gate and narrow is the way that leads to life and few there be that find it. And the funny thing about the narrow road is when you take the narrow road, it seems narrow at the beginning, and then it widens up into a four-lane. And it's very smooth and very comfortable. And the further you travel down the narrow road, the bigger it gets, the better it gets. And when you get to the end of that road, there's life eternal, there's and even before you get to the end of that road, you say, This is a wonderful road I'm on. Thank God I chose the narrow road. Thank God I chose the narrow road. One man said, The hardest day you ever spend on the narrow road is the first day. And the best day you ever spend on the broad road is the first day. After that, the broad road narrows, and the narrow road widens. One leads to destruction, one leads to life. Choosing Jesus, choosing the ways of Jesus, listen to me, may not be popular with today's culture, but listen, it's the right way, and it's the way that leads to life and happiness. If you don't believe me, look at the Hollywood crowd. They're all miserable. They on drugs and alcohol and killing themselves and marrying and divorcing and marrying Why? Because they're unhappy people. If that kind of life led to happiness, that wouldn't be happening. They're miserable people. Look at them. Choosing Jesus may not be popular. But listen to me, you'll be glad you chose him and his way. Trust me. As somebody who's come down that road, I'm not at the beginning of the road, I'm toward the end. On the other side, toward the end. Trust me, it is the good road. It's the great road. And my wife and I talk about how blessed we are. How God has blessed us through the years. What, what did I do? I made one decision. I took the narrow road. How about you? What road will you choose this year to take? Let's stand and pray. Heads bowed and eyes closed. If you've not chosen Jesus as your personal Savior, you've not been born again. You've not been saved. You do not have eternal life. God says you can. You see, because our loving Lord Jesus died on the cross for your sins and mine. And if we accept Him as Savior, He will save us. And if you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus as Savior, just say, Lord, I believe You died for me quietness of your own mind. You died for me. I'm trusting His Savior. Save me today.